0: Welcome to Sutter Faction. I'm Evan Sutter, author of Awake, social entrepreneur, speaker, activist. This is episode 16, the final episode of season 2, 21. It is titled, Do we have a mental health and climate crisis or do we have a values crisis? How do we start to look at a broken system with new eyes and start repairing the right things first? This is a punchy talk covering authenticity, greenwashing's ugly new friend, I'll get to him, leisure time, mental health, climate change, social media, consumerism and capitalism. Maybe it is a tad controversial at times, but I think it has to be. But please look at this with a curious open mind and take from it what you will. There are many layers and I'll be exploring how they all connect to each other and why they have to if we were going to make any positive change. And let's face it, we now have more days on the calendar dedicated to a cause than ever before. We have more awareness and an almost endless amount of information. We have more organisations committed than ever before, more mental health days and committed organisations, more climate days and a plethora of organisations trying to forge change. Each year passes us by and the only change we get a few more dedication days. A few more days dedicated to these causes. And these days, of course, they're good things. Admirable, important. As are all the people and businesses involved that are trying to make a difference. Big shout out to those guys. They're doing some really good things. But how can we make a deeper, more long-term change? How can we drive more urgent change? Because both of these things, climate change and mental health, require urgency one life lost is a tragedy tragedy one life lived in its entirety with while half asleep is also a tragedy as is another forest cut down another bushfire another hurricane another species extinct and i want to hone in on those two things mental health and climate change and i will aim to show just how connected they are right now We look at these things isolated, one-dimensional, completely disconnected, and maybe that is the problem. We have to be careful and skillful in knowing the difference between what is really helpful in making us more fulfilled, content and well as individuals and as a society, and what is not merely an extension of capitalism or the rule of business. That is, what is designed to just keep us moving forward, productive, efficient and profitable. Many mobile apps promote mental well-being, while only easing stress and anxiety in the short term, so we can keep on doing what we are doing. It is about alleviating things, stress, worry, and not growing the more important attributes. So we get some relief, but don't benefit from gaining clarity to why these things persist, and they will just pop up again and again. These apps, which I would have hoped could become alternatives to medication, have ironically become closer to it. We take it to provide short-term fixes, never diving deeper to shift the conditions but let all the suffering grow in the first place. And it is these conditions that prove absolutely critical. I think all the important change happens when we actually know why we are doing something and when we have an awareness of what is causing us suffering, struggles and problems again and again, both individually and on a societal level. And a lot of these company culture building exercises, meditation apps, corporate wellness initiatives, even school well-being programs and the plethora of the days on the calendar, they play at the surface, never going much deeper. Many of these initiatives are merely an extension of greenwashing. And you might have heard of greenwashing, where big companies use big marketing budgets to convince consumers that they're doing good things for our planet while Actively destroying it. I'll give you an example. Take Australian bank Westpac. Since it's made its very public commitment to the Paris Agreement in 2015, they have continued to invest more in fossil fuels and less in renewable energy. But a lot of us only remember the flashy marketing campaign. And that happens again and again. And we are seeing this same thing happen in the mental health space with the emergence of a new phenomenon known as blue soaking. Social media influencers and gimmicky marketing professionals are spreading their wings outside of social media and launching mental health startups to take advantage of mental health's popularity and unique marketing opportunities. Yeah, that's, um, that's a little tough saying those things together, and that's pretty sad for, for many, many reasons. And of course, bigger, more established companies are now tapping into this too. Companies are using mental health initiatives and corporate wellness programs to convince consumers, employees and potential employees that they care about the well-being of individuals. All the while, their products and services are actually damaging the mental health of a far greater majority. Well, that's called blue soaking. And I'll give you another example. Take Zipco, a pay-now, buy-later company. And that's an industry notorious for damaging the mental health of vulnerable populations. I asked them to discuss their values that they openly promote, proudly promote, but I got no response. Zipco say, proudly, again, they are on a mission to normalise, humanise and destigmatize mental health. Well, let's see how they go about it. They write in one of their LinkedIn posts showcasing their amazing deeds, quote, Research shows one in four of us will experience a mental well-being challenge this year, and we are likely to reach out to a peer for support. Introducing our first batch of real mates, 30 Zipsters who have now been accredited as mental health peer supporters through our partnership with Heart on My Sleeve. Zipsters, they have a nickname for their employees, that's a nice touch. I did something similar when I coached 8 year olds in rugby league, it makes them feel like they belong and gets them to do things you'll tell you tell them. Back to real mates. Do real mates knowingly take advantage of you and then pretend to help afterwards? I'll get to that. I should really stop interrupting them. Let's let them tell us what a real mate is. A real mate is someone who can support others going through a tough time. They are a safe space to listen without judgment, guide you to the right resources, and most importantly. Show up when it counts. End quote. Show up when it counts. Like when a gambling and alcohol addiction has created so much debt and depression that it has led to a breakdown in their relationship too. They finish with, Thank you to all our real mates for bringing your passion for mental well-being to work and for improving the lives of those around you. These big companies hire these mental health startups full of things that work on social media things that grab short attention spans, give quick approval and instant gratification, things like painting images on arms and sharing them. Social media tells us things need to be shareable, right? And I must admit, it is a good model. Lots of eyes, lots of great ops for social posts, good attention. Good for an ad agency. Maybe not so much when you are trying to help people with mental health issues. Role modeling, but that behavior to vulnerable people, instead of more appropriate ways of gaining support, is not very Helpful. But I looked a little further and saw their founder got a start in this space by crying on camera on social media. The camera was well placed to catch every vulnerable moment, like maybe it was planned all along. Social media, remember, it has to be shareable. I asked the company and founder to comment, but he didn't respond. But he did say to his fans that he loved the new partnership with Zip. His team followed by congratulating the Zipsters for dedicating themselves to doing such important work to show up for themselves and their colleagues in a safe, authentic and impactful way. Now, will they show up at the homes and the streets of the vulnerable and offer their support as they navigate through addiction and debt? The safety and authenticity doesn't extend to their customers and it will be even less safe with news buy now, pay later products are expanding into pubs and clubs. Throw on the bar tab for our most vulnerable and addicted, but we really do care about mental health. We want to humanize and destigmatize it. After all, thanks for removing all the shame and making it more civilized for all the strugglers. So noble. The Zip founder, who also didn't respond to questions, said it was such a great, great initiative. Good on the Zip team. Heart on my sleeve said it was an honor to partner with Zip. An honor to partner with a company that is playing in an industry that is known to cause damage to the mental well-being. some of the most vulnerable populations of people. Well, it really isn't their fault, right? They wouldn't know because they wouldn't need products like pay now, buy later, would they? Maybe they were referring to the honor of being able to work with a steady flow of clients that they will continue to bring in for them. They've managed to use blue soaking and the illusion of helping people to drive a successful campaign and add to their brand equity. Now back to convincing people to buy things that they can't afford. These startups, founded a lot of the time by these undercover entrepreneurs looking to capitalize on new market opportunities, will happily run these programs. They celebrate helping 30 people know it's okay to talk about someone when something is talk to someone when something is bothering them while destroying the health and happiness of thousands and thousands of other people who have less and less people in their lives to talk to. Welcome to 2021 where nothing is off-limits in the pursuit of making a quick buck. The people who really need the help, not just the employees of a big tech company, continue to be inundated by well-timed marketing campaigns that pull at the strings of their addiction, and then they need even more help. They don't have the luxury of a company wellness program. They are just the vulnerable people who suffer from addiction and debt and then need things like pay-now-buy-later products. They do the damage and then try to help them. It is all well and good teaching people, especially males, to be able to share and be open and express their emotions. That's powerful. I know this firsthand. I grew up in a blue-collar sports-fueled town where you only shared about how many tackles you made and beers you drank. And I know how much it changed my life being able to share openly and connect to my emotions while living in the forest of a Buddhist monastery. It is something I've promoted through creating workshops, talks, and events ever since. So it is a great thing. But all too often, initiatives like this go against the stream. And, it, and, and it's nothing like a stream. It is more like fast-flowing rapids and deathly waterfalls. I was speaking with a few friends just last week and one mentioned the link between men's suicide and mental health and their inability to share emotions. How our masculine culture has made it all that more difficult for men to share this is despite IUAK okay days, Boys Do Cry, International Men's Day, Real Mates and many others trying to break down masculine stereotypes. And they are great, but it would be a lot easier to gain traction and make change, which is what we're after, if it wasn't for a system that heavily invested in the exact things that make mental health issues so prevalent. Things that we naively disregard as being connected. If we care about the mental health of human beings, change your products and services to reflect that. And while we are at it, ban betting agencies from advertising. Sports bet is now in the top five marketing spenders in Australia. They and others like it are everywhere. Is there no connection between gambling, addiction, breakdown in relationships, and mental health? Is there no connection between buy now, pay later products and gambling, addiction, breakdown in relationships, and mental health? Will creating a culture of open men be enough to break down our addiction to competition and comparison that is promoted as early as kindergarten in schools across the modern Western world and then bombarded on 13-year-olds across social media each and every day? In indigenous tribes, competition outside of certain realms was seen as a mental illness. Now we compete everywhere and anywhere. We can have all the days in the world dedicated to mental health and more and more organisations working to make change, but unless we work on the right kind of work, in the right order, we will get nowhere. A major study from the University of New South Wales revealed Australia's flagship youth mental health programme Headspace is only providing a small benefit to clients, while the wellbeing of about 1 in 10 of its patients is actually going significantly backwards. A study published in the journal School Mental Health found three out of four schools were running a well-being program of some kind, at least 68 different programs in New South Wales primary schools, but many of them had little or no evidence of effectiveness. It has to be the right kind of work. We can't continually slap a band-aid on a deep wound and call it healed. We can't continue to respond to problems as if they emerge in isolation, eyes close to the fact that they have been catalyzed or amplified by the exact same thing. In our capitalist systems, there will always be a problem when it comes to finding the balance of doing good and making money. So it is imperative that we understand the conflict and the root of the problems. We might think we are helping a select few of privileged folk when we are doing the opposite for the vulnerable who really need it. We need to take greater responsibility as individuals to call out the businesses that continue to manipulate and merely cover their tracks with another sticky advertising campaign. We need to be wary of working within broken structures and thinking that that is the best place to forge change. We need to be brave, bold and most importantly, authentic to ensure our values and actions actually align. We are so disconnected from seeing the interconnectedness. This corporate blue soaking is merely bombarding more and more people with superficial things that offer short-term relief and fit nicely into the current system and structures without really making people freer, happier, more fulfilled and more alive. The outcome? Well, pretty much the same thing as always. We see an attempt to make change by not changing any of the real problems. We see these modern businesses creating gimmicky artificial friends and giving them cool names that fit with marketing strategy in a social media shareable world—things like "real mates." Real mates—is that helpful, or is it slightly manipulative and tricky? Let's look at that. Many of us sit in the grey area on the spectrum of mental health. We haven't got depression on the on the one end, but we certainly aren't flourishing on the other end either. Many sit in the realm of languishing. This light dissatisfaction with life, where our actions always come from a place of lack. Think boredom, loneliness, fear, restlessness, or irritability. As Faroe would put it, we lead lives of quiet desperation. And this languishing might be moving with a little more momentum due to social media and our online world. You know, we we have always had fake people but their reach usually wouldn't extend that much further than a small friendship group at a school or the pub. We would typically know that they were what we call full of shit, and there was a time when that was one of the worst things you could be called. Full of shit usually meant they wouldn't let the truth get in the way of good story, and most of the time that story was all about themselves. This self-indulgence usually masked a low self-esteem or a lack of confidence in the area that they so proudly proclaimed. And a lot of the time this ego blasting was slowly eroded by the banter of friends and people who actually knew them. By the time they left school, and certainly by their mid-twenties, they would slowly soften. Ears of being called out on their mistruths brought them back down to earth. And if it didn't, then their friendship group started to erode too. But now, as real friends, the ones built on connection and trust and honesty, and the traditional gatekeepers to authenticity not being so full of shit, are replaced by pseudo online friends, call them real mates, if you will. You know, those really deep and intimate ones that can easily be let go of a click of the unfriends button. We all of a sudden have no filter for, our li- for all of our lies. What would usually weed out our insecurities and masks are now not standing security at the gate. So we can now live with low self-esteem's insecurities for much longer. Well, well forever. And of course, we can now far more easily cover it up by louder and louder mysteries hidden behind our smartphones. The problem here is twofold. One, we see so many people now believing the ideas they are spewing out in social media post after social media post and reality TV program after reality TV program, and sadly too many other mediums and platforms. The young and vulnerable, and the older and also vulnerable, are believing what they're saying is right. The blind are leading the blind in a kind of addiction fueled mania. And too, and maybe even sadder, we have people living their entire lives knowing what they are doing and what they're saying isn't even true. Perhaps the new phenomena won't be laying on your deathbed and thinking, Oh no, I work too much, but oh no, who am I? Like never before it is so easy to get through life without any self-examination. Socrates isn't sexy enough so people don't know about how the unexamined life is not worth living. So instead of cheating on the exam, you cheat on your entire life. You don't learn anything, and you never even try, but you still show everyone the score you got on the test. What a tragedy. This is caused by leading a very unconsidered life. And that's what our modern, fast-paced and disconnected society is helping to fuel. Is the modern human being becoming an addicted human doing? An anxious kid dressed up in big boy and girl clothes by consumer culture but doesn't want to value authenticity and character, self-compassion, kindness and openness? Is the one-click purchase generation... Happified by instant retail therapy, motivated by caffeine, conditioned by big tech algorithms, and biased by an agenda-filled media, creating a population of imprisoned spectators? A dulled-down version, too tired to enjoy our lives, without alcohol, drugs, sex, porn, social media, TV, and constant entertainment? When we get rid of our gatekeepers, our friends, what do we end up with? When we can get rid of friends at a click of a button, what do we get? When rich technology companies and mental health organisations replace friends and true support and trust, and likes on social media posts replace the hits of dopamine we normally get from human connection, what do we get? When we have no gauge for character and no value for authenticity, and we can so easily cover up and avoid every little feeling that is slightly uncomfortable, then who are we? This kind of modern inauthenticity is killing our chance at real freedom and at optimum mental and physical well-being. We live in a world with so many conflicts of interest, biases, algorithms and controlled conditioning. When we proudly promote slapping on another band-aid, we just continue to look at things isolated and one-dimensionally. And this is why we see too little change. We are more disconnected as individuals than ever before. And of course, this disconnection ripples everywhere else. Mental health, social media, corporate ethics or lack thereof, social media, again, relationships and connects right into one of the great challenges of our time, climate change. Let's look at this. Because everything we've heard thus far impacts climate change deeply. The obvious ones, of course, are businesses chasing growth and profits at all costs. And if they clearly don't worry about the well-being of humans and their own friends and families, they certainly aren't that concerned with nature and wildlife. The blue soaking and green washing are sneaky tactics to hide their inauthenticity and keep doing what they want. Essentially, that's it. And it is not in the interest of governments to put extra regulations on betting agencies and buy now pay later products because the addiction and mental health crisis and divorce that follows is really good for GDP. And as long as that's a measurement of a nation's health, then mental health simply will never get better, nor will climate change. The destruction of forests, the employment and the machinery, etc., it provides, adds to GDP. However, in economics, the role performed by forest is of no value, even though it provides many. Services, in inverted commas, like inhibition of erosion, landslides, fires and floods, while cleaning the air, modulating climate and weather and supporting wildlife, to an economist, and in our current system, it doesn't count. A tree only has value once it's cut down. And a system whose success is measured on a criteria that inherently destroys it, is akin to your Christmas cake needing an ingredient to make it rise, which will make you look smart to friends at the party, but kill you and all of them a few weeks later. That might, might not be the best analogy, so let's just keep, on, keep it simple and say, it is pretty stupid. This connects to one of the lesser considered connections as to why mental health and climate change is on the decline. And that is that our leisure time is on the decline. Free time after work, business, domestic chores, education, eating and sleeping is getting shorter and shorter. So with limited time we have become accustomed to merely taking everything on face value. We don't look below the surface. We don't see the blatant manipulation from social media, influencers, companies, politicians and media. And we even believe the brilliance of GDP and GNP. We are just too busy and tired. Robert Kennedy Jr. said, The GNP counts air pollution and cigarette advertising and ambulances to clear our highways of carnage, yet it does not allow for the health of our children, the quality of their education, the joy of their play. It measures neither our wit nor our courage, neither our wisdom nor our learning, neither our compassion nor our devotion. It measures everything, in short, except that which makes life worthwhile. All quite clever, isn't it? And quite baffling. Most economists are seen as smart in this system, but that just might be the opposite. And look across the board, and you might just see that trend continue. Back to leisure time. The link between it and a deteriorating mental health is solid. We don't look behind companies' actions, founders' actions, economic notions. We don't even look behind our own stories. That fast-fix, attention-grabbing social media post or over-sensationalised article is a reflection of this society. And being tricked by nicknames, greenwashing, blue soaking, GDP, economic progress, low unemployment, low interest rates, booming house prices, crypto, is the mirror reflecting back. We have no time for experiences with real mates. And the fact that we are using gimmicky things around relationships just shows how much they have deteriorated. No time, no friends. So, we buy things. We get fleeting good feelings, but just as they arrive, they're gone. Each day, each week busy and full, stressed, run down, with limited time for experiences and real relaxation, we don't have that time to waste. For many, a moment of idleness or nothingness means discomfort, and that needs to be filled. And when we are given only a short time of idleness in our busy lives, we then never learn to sit with uncomfortable emotions. We live our whole lives avoiding anything that feels remotely uncomfortable boredom, loneliness, restlessness, restlessness, just get covered up and quickly. And today there are no shortages of covers so we never have to feel. Social media, dating apps, reality TV, betting apps. So we just get deeper in the loop of buying and doing and deeper in the loop of mental health and climate crisis. We ironically are not used to time so when we get a short amount we just continue to do. Like a heroin or shopping addict in search of our next hit. And we are so busy that we use our days off as planning days for the week ahead. Are we humans or are we consumers? But all of this is no coincidence. There's always been a concerted effort to consolidate capitalism and spread business rule. Like in France and Italy post-World War II, the US used a combination of violence, manipulation of aid and huge propaganda campaigns to establish this kind of democracy or divide. They removed the communists and left socialists, the only ones who defended workers' interests, wages and living standards, as that posed a barrier to the working class and poor who would bear the burden of reconstruction. The Christian Democrats were happy to oblige, abandoning workplace democracy, and the Pope excommunicated all communists. I'll quote Tromsky here. The democratic ideal is simple and straightforward. You are free to do what you want, as long as... As it is what we want you to do. Rising mental health and environmental destruction can't be looked at and treated as if they emerge in isolation. That is convenient and easier, but it doesn't do the work we need. The sharp rightward shift over the last 20, 30 years of the neoliberal assault has resulted in the privatisation of public services like energy, water, health, education, roads and prisons, the epidemic of loneliness, rising suicide rates, the extinction of species and the collapse of ecosystems. Neoliberalism sees competition as the defining characteristic of human relations. And as we learnt earlier, in indigenous tribes competition outside of certain areas was seen as a mental illness. But now we compete everywhere, in everything, at every age. It is promoted as young as five in schools and simply never stops. Citizens become consumers whose democratic decisions are executed best by merely buying and selling. The whole system we live in in 2021 works by stimulating consumer demand to promote economic growth. And these are the exact drivers of environmental destruction and mental health destruction not men's inability to express emotions. And our limited time plays perfectly into the hands of our well-orchestrated consumer culture. We don't have time to be human anymore. Consumers and products only. We buy and buy some more. And in our our pursuit of feeling good quickly, it doesn't matter what we buy or from whom, unethical companies, manipulators, polluters, etc. It doesn't matter. We just need that hit. And we don't even need money to buy things anymore. Quick credit and buy now, pay later products has taken care of that for us. Banks are now scrambling to take advantage of the property boom and are looking at one day home loan approvals. We are walking around in a real life computer game where we can't go many places without some sort of campaign to get us to buy something. But that lesser talked about link between time and climate change and mental health is that we simply don't. Experience. We choose things over experiences again and again. After all the work rebuilding our own little France and Italy's, and after all our chores, we don't have time or energy for nature, mountains, oceans, rainforests, wildlife. So we are completely disconnected from it. If we can't connect with something, we can't care. If we don't care, we can't align ethics with actions. Perhaps if we cared more, we would want to protect it, our minds and our ecosystems, but that requires time. We are so busy that we don't have the space to care, not only about ourselves and our friends, but of course about our planet. Perhaps the way we make progress in our mental health and climate change is by making a serious shift away from being so busy, by learning to slow down, to go camping near a waterfall for a week without having to rush back off to the office, living with more than four weeks' leave a year to stop buying things you don't need from bad companies. But why would someone be encouraged to explore their inner worlds, examine their lives, get to know themselves, be self-compassionate and compassionate, find meaning and fulfilment and live in freedom when most people and most systems like our schools, politics and businesses tell us to chase other things? Why wouldn't everyone just buy another thing online at a click of a button when it makes them feel good? Why wouldn't everyone just spend their days getting more dopamine hits with every like or feeling good with every reach for another slice of cake? Well, because here is the thing we don't talk much about. And I'll give you another example. You want sex. You have a considerable urge and desire to sleep with someone. So, you jump on Tinder. You meet someone and you have sex. You feel good. You get your gratification but the peace and contentment that comes of not always desiring not always needing the sex is far greater and far more satisfying than actually having the sex this is the same for shopping alcohol drugs making more money investing in Bitcoin getting promotion one leaves you always wanting more and more and always feeling and living from a place of lack and the other leaves you full of the joy and peace but the other side is always always seeking the good parts don't last long and you have to keep on going back again and again to make them last that's a lot of shoes a lot of sex and a lot of cake that's a lot of wasted money taken away from actually enriching things and that's a lot of new body weight that prevents you from actually feeling good every day and like with all addictions they have negative consequences and sooner or later, if you avoid and cover and run and hide, you will suffer much more than you have to. We are in the midst of the fake-it-until-you-make-it world. The problem is, if you don't examine your life at all, and never think for yourself, you could very well make it. But what are you even getting? In order to find freedom and peace, you really need to be the gatekeeper, discerning the difference between biased media reports misaligned mental health entrepreneurs, and fragile social media influencers. Big manipulation campaigns by big business, i.e. marketing, and controlled algorithms get you to think and live so very small that you get to the point where you don't even know which way is up. A mind of clarity means we can make decisions and act in ways that better represent our true feelings, rather than acting out of fear or emotions that we cannot really understand. We become less dependent on external sources, friends, partners, sex, money, products, gadgets, nice shoes, sexy hair, and other things that only ever offer short-term relief. And relief is a trait of quiet desperados. They only seek things that soothe in the very short term. They want the uncomfortable thing to end, so they choose the fast fix, knowing all along that that fix will be needed again and again very soon. That is the opposite of freedom. We allow ourselves to not fall prey to, co- to coercive advertising campaigns from big businesses whose job it is to manipulate you, to find your weakness and get you to consume something that you don't actually really need. Another trap of our fast modern world that keeps our lives small, trapped, and suffocated. Healthy and happy human beings aren't good for economic development. They lower GDP, they don't need new shiny things and divorce attorneys. After pay, before pay, next pay, so we can buy things that we don't need, that make our lives more difficult, which creates a circle that is hard to step out of, the debt trap, that once we step into, on the back of being disconnected to ourselves, our values and a result of letting fear and worry and emotions we don't understand dictate terms, becomes harder and harder to ignore. We just become accustomed to covering up these emotions and avoiding anything that is uncomfortable covering up our suffering and short-term band-aids in the form of retail therapy and our burgeoning capitalist consumer culture. Something so well planned by world superpowers to take advantage of the workers, the poor, the middle class, to drive capitalism and the rule of business, and something that is still taking advantage of people today, by deliberately playing with our insecurities and investing trillions of dollars every day to keep it going. But it all comes at the expense of our health at the expense of our beautiful friends and our beautiful planet. I don't know what the exact solution is, but we probably shouldn't leave that to the politicians, (laughs) economists and business people. Somewhere along the line, they have been manipulated too. They forget that they are human first and last, and everything in, in between is just a neat little story. We need to bring ecology and economics back together. In reading David Suzuki's essays, I realize the words ecology and economics derive from the same Greek word, *oikos*, meaning household or home. Ecology, logos meaning study, is the study of the home. And economics, nomics meaning management, is home management. These two fields should be companions. And yet, with few exceptions, there is little communication between them. How can we make them companions? Maybe it simply starts with becoming aware of how damaging the things we've been taught to value really are. Maybe it means we stop taking this game so seriously. A game that has been carefully curated to create consumers more than humans. And that's not nice. Why would you want to play that? Why would you want to sacrifice your entire life for that? A game that cares more about economic development than literally everything that makes living worthwhile. Listen to that again a game that cares more about economic development than literally everything that makes living worthwhile. Maybe we need to stop glorifying money makers and start glorifying poets, philosophers, artists, environmentalists, activists. Start looking more at honour and integrity and compassion rather than IPOs, acquisitions and big houses. As long as you think Kim Kardashian and Mark Zuckerberg are cool and not David Suzuki or Thich Hahn, we will have climate and mental health catastrophe. Business as usual, education, politics, social media is playing the role in creating narcissists. And that is not good for mental health and it is not good for our planet. We adore the wrong people. We value the wrong things. A world focused on growth at all costs creates a dog-eat-dog-dog world full of competition and comparisons. And they are two vital ingredients to live a really shit life. Maybe it means redefining what it means to be cool. Really? Another pair of shoes? Fifteen jackets? Why do you need so many? Is that cool? Or is it destructive? Because cool is caring. Caring about something more than yourself. A plethora of shoes tells me you don't. It tells me you still only care about yourself and what others think of you. And that is killing the planet. And guess what? It's killing your mental health too. Maybe it means redefining what it means to be human. How sad to take a human being and turn him into a consumer. That, maybe, is the greatest tragedy. Maybe it causes something radically different, like working three days a week. What would that do to house prices, consumerism and equality, for competition and comparison? What would that do for our mental and physical health? If we have more time to just sit down without having a hundred things to do or a hundred things to become. What would that do for our relationships, if we can talk and connect in our own time, with space and clarity, not manufactured? What will that do for our environment? We have time to experience a beautiful waterfall, a black cockatoo and a 100 year old redwood and not have to plan for our next week every Sunday. Maybe it calls for living more simply. Stepping back from buying your happiness and finding it within yourself and within your community and natural environment. Carving out time away from technology and creating a truer freedom, less dependent on external things. Things always outside your control. Maybe it is a step back to Epicurean ways and a focus more on an integrated life, full of friends, community, belonging, real and not manufactured. Freedom, full of time, time for interest, passion, vocation and health. Thought, full of curiosity, lifelong learning and wisdom. What will that teach our young people about what is worth valuing? Maybe they will experience a thing called love. And not just that boring Disney love, but a love and care for all living beings. I don't know. But maybe that will help transform our lives and our world. I'm Evan Sutter. This is Sutter Faction. I thank you for listening and for all your support. It has been pretty fun bringing you two seasons of talks on society and culture. I hope you've found them useful. I'll be back with Season 3 in 2022. Until then... Stay in touch at evsutter on Instagram at com and via my new book, Awake, available at all good bookstores. Look after yourself, your family, and friends, and that includes the trees and bees. Enjoy.